Hello and welcome to the Love You Always podcast by Betta and Twistle. This is very big and exciting news to share with all of you. I have been holding on to launching this podcast for almost a year. This is how much fear, self-doubt, judgment has been present. And I am finally here to share that the podcast has arrived. I am so grateful for what this journey has taught me, and I will be sharing more about this in a solo episode. However, for today, I'm so pleased to introduce my very first guest. This podcast has been created with the intention to share the stories of women entrepreneurs, creators, healers, and business founders who lead with love. I found that in business, there are stories that we've heard since little girls and boys that we need to be tough, masculine, and lead from this place of fear. And this podcast is offering a new voice to looking at business and life through the lens of love. These will be stories for you to see yourself in, learn from, or hear a different perspective. I invite you to listen with an open heart and an open mind. My very first guest is the wonderful Sadie Lincoln. She is the co-founder and CEO of Bar3, a fitness company focused on teaching people to be balanced in the body and empowered from within. She is someone who I have admired for a very long time. In 2018, I actually reached out to Sadie Lincoln on LinkedIn. I was thinking about who I could ask some vulnerable questions to about moving into the wellness space and going through a career change, and Sadie was the first person on my list because I listened to her stories and learned about her through other podcasts. She happily responded, and we set up a call. In this conversation, she shared with me advice as if she was speaking to her own daughter. She reminded me to trust my intuition. She has embodied love from the moment I met her, and when I created the idea to launch this podcast, Love You Always, she was one of the first women in mind to interview and share her story. We really dive into some beautiful topics. I hope you enjoy, and also remember, this is my very first episode, and we are recording from our own homes, so I apologize for any audio difficulties. Love you always. See you soon. Here we are today in 2022, and I'm ready to just use this time to learn about your story and have you really share what you feel is not out there for women, for young young individuals to know that there is possibility to create with love and to lead with love. Um, So I do have one question for you before we start with the actual story is, I am fully committed and I would love for you to hear if you are fully committed today to have an extraordinary conversation. Yes. And amazing. (laughs) You are committed. Okay. So I'd love to just dive in and hear from you. When did bar three start? Where did it begin? And 
I'd love to understand if that was one of the first places that you were able to lead with love or did it come even prior to that? Mm, That's a good question. Uh, So it began, we opened our first studio, my husband and I, um, in August of 2008 uh, here in Portland, Oregon, where I'm sitting right now. I actually taught at our first studio this morning. Um, Full circle. mm -hmm. And um, we definitely were leading with love in that moment. Um, I would say with our core values, just being our North Star. Mm-hmm. And that combined with the business acumen that we had built up over the years. Um, but really what drove the ideation and how we actually communicated and delivered Bar 3 um, was based on our values. And a lot of that was about fighting lonely, mm-hmm. which if you peel back the onion on that, it's really about belonging. And when you peel back the onion behind belonging, it's really wanting to be loved. And I think that when people practice exercise with that intention, or at least that awareness that, wow, everybody really wants to feel like they belong here. It's not just me. Um, Or maybe that's not even a conscious awareness for people. But when you kind of start to think that way and you exercise at the same time, it creates body love as well. It takes the emphasis off of looking a certain part to belong. And instead, just feeling a sense, a true kind of intrinsic sense of, oh, I belong here. I matter. This is important. Um, And that was something that was missing for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So the second part of your question, in my previous career, I didn't feel that way um, necessarily at work. Um, And I didn't really feel that way through fitness, the fitness industry either. And so it was a problem I was sort of trying to solve for myself and then figured, you know, I had a feeling other people would resonate with that. And through the, I I love the concept of this layering of being alone or feeling alone, then belonging and then love. Mm -hmm. Why, why do you think so many people don't even understand if they are feeling alone? Well, I think it's hard to, I think it's, it's masked by other things. Um, A lot of times I know I used to think, oh, I'm not lonely. I'm surrounded by people all the time. I have friends, you know, Uh, but then I started to realize, oh, I would walk away from a dinner party feeling depleted, Uh, maybe not really seen or heard. Uh, I would, you know, feel just kind of like in my head in a big group of people versus like really connected. Um, or I'd find myself on Facebook at night, like literally, I remember this one time searching on Facebook and I, I stopped and I was like, what am I looking for? Like, what am I searching for right now? And I didn't know it, but I would, you know, I don't think I could really put it to words, but I was lonely. I wasn't feeling connected. Um, and I think that's basically an epidemic at this point. So many of us feel that way. Um, and I think it's good to to name it and then kind of consciously move towards a different story. Which can be so difficult with the noise, the social media, the distractions, the blaming, 
How would in that moment when you created Bar Three from this place of understanding your experience of feeling alone and then recognizing that you wanted to to belong? When did the the creation of love start? Or when did the creation of Bar Three, like what was the birth from those two um, emotions that you felt? Well, first of all, we didn't call it love. You know, that wasn't like, I think that's when I look into it. That's, Mm. I think that is at the center was my heart. Like I just wanted to feel fulfilled. Um, So, you know, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, I want to create love in my life. But I did consciously think Chris and I, we were lonely as a couple. We didn't have a sense of place or community. And I, we knew that by creating a space, literally a studio environment and thoughtfully designing it around connection and community, um, that that would really solve that problem for ourselves, but it would also solve it for other people. And so that was a huge part of bar three, the three in bar three is a symbol of balance. You can think of it Mm. like a tripod or a triangle. Um, Another kind of play on the word three that we've said over the years is it's the third place. It's where after home and work, people can come together and to be together. Um, that's why I like group exercise uh, because you're together. There's a wonderful book called The Joy of Movement. Uh, Kelly McGonigal wrote it. And she talks about the neuroscience of moving together in sync to the music mm-hmm. and how it builds trust and community and fights lonely. And it's been studied in the brain. I didn't know that back in 2008. But I knew that, you know, <laughs> like I didn't have that study, but I had that intuition and knowing. Um, so that was part of it. We, we, we were kind of lonely as a couple and we wanted to build something that fostered community. Um, and then we also wanted a workout that balanced the body and gave people permission to be empowered from within. Which is so needed, which is so important. And I think it's so beautiful how this was so intuitive for you and for your husband so much earlier on than you could have ever predicted what's happening today. Mm -hmm. And now it's so clear why you created Bar 3, at least from an outside perspective, you knowing and you um, following that intuition has always been with you, but in terms of listening and actually acting on that intuition, what was it? Like, what were, what were those things that allowed you to understand like, okay, I'm feeling alone. My husband and I are feeling alone. Now there's, there's something to do about it where so many people go right back to social media or they blame it or, or don't know how to have that internal conversation. What was that experience like for you? I think part of it was my stage of life. Um, I was at a turning point in my life. I, we had two kids back to back. They were little at the time. They were two and three and a half. Uh, we lived in the Oakland Hills. Um, we had great jobs. We bought the house with the view, um, had our kids, and yet we felt empty. And that's what, and I have an entrepreneurial spirit. So In fact, when I was pregnant with my first child, Audrey, I remember I was working out at home. I started to work out at home. And it was when I first developed my own at-home practice and I was doing yoga. And back then it was like a a poster 
um, Shiva Ray, and I follow pictures of her while I listen to her, um, like wow. to figure out all the different postures. Um, but what I loved about doing yoga at home while I was pregnant is I could start to modify every move based on what I needed in that moment and based on my rapidly changing body. Mm. And at home, I was able to give myself total permission to be joyful and honest in the moment about what my body needed because I was so excited to be pregnant for the first time and just all the crazy changes that were happening. Um, and I did have an epiphany in that moment. And that was probably four years before we started bar three. I had an epiphany that, oh my gosh, you know, I felt like I failed exercise so many times when I was in a group because I didn't give myself permission to move in a way that honored what my body needed in the moment. I was chasing what everybody else is doing and I was fighting with my body to a finish line versus think about the difference of celebrating the changes in my body and honoring them. Like that is a profound mindset shift. And that's when it hit me. And then after I had my child, I think Chris and I just started to talk about that on long walks. And I started to try to bring that philosophy into group exercise classes and it didn't really fit. And I realized that an instructor really needs to guide that experience because it really is an experience of unlearning conditioning of trying to copy what everybody else does in the room. And so to this day, every single workout, I need to be reminded. Um, I need to remind myself. And I certainly remind every, every bar three instructor reminds the students in the class, you're in witness of each other right now. Um, we get to work out together, um, but you get to make this your own. And know that you'll be totally supported by everybody else if you modify, because it really is a symbol of you loving yourself and standing up for what your body needs. Um, and we don't really say love yourself, but I'm saying that because that really is what that's the underneath of it yeah. um, that ties to what you're doing. Um, that was just an internal motivation for me. Wow. Something just really came through to me that was so clear was that experience, that journey of you chasing the success of what was in the room of you in order for you to change your body or to do certain moves to fit in with the other people in the space or to fit in with the instructor or the guide or to do everything as told, you were losing yourself. Yes. So rather than chasing the people in the room, the perfect body, the instructor's body, the instructor's movement, you turned inward. And I would love for you to translate that into how, how that actually translates to your business model. Mm -hmm. Because what I hear is that is an experience that is a pattern in now every area of your life, because the way that I interpret that it interpreted that was me chasing success in business, mm -hmm. yeah, in career. Mm -hmm. And then the moment I decided that I'm just going to do it differently is when I felt at home and I felt wow. aligned. And so I would love for you to just share anything that is like the model or, or what you learned from that experience in the studio to how you brought that to your business model? I think it's how I bring it, practice it mm. <laughs> um, into my life and business. Um, my friend Donda Pani had a line for me that just changed my life. And I say it all the time. 
Um, but he said to me, whatever it is you practice, you become like, you can practice becoming a playing the piano every day and become a pianist, you know, um, whatever it is you practice, you become, and we've heard that a lot in exercise. You know, I'm going to practice honoring my truth today. I'm going to practice building strength. I'm going to practice building mobility. I'm going to practice building energy. Um, I'm going to practice self-compassion, right? We're start. I think that's become more um, mind-body connection and movement has become more prolific now, which is a really good thing. Um, but what I always talk about with the students in the room is that you can take every single one of those principles and practice them into your life and practice them into your career. Um, so the idea of modifying to stand up for yourself, it's a, it's a practice of standing up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a group, you're around, you know, a table, a conference room, and the conversation is going one direction, you have this idea that you think, wow, you know, I think we're missing something here. Um, and you want to be the one that's going to do something different, you know, raise your hand and say, hey, you know, I'm not sure that's really aligned with our equity, diversity, and inclusion values. Or, hey, I, I want to debate that issue because, um, you know, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid to do that because it, it's standing up for something different, right? It's not following yeah. the group kind of just the ease, the path of least resistance. Um, but the more of us who practice having a voice around the table, that is a practice of being heard, of being seen, of standing up for yourself. And I think more and more of us can frame those kind, that kind of conversation in the workplace. Um, and it really is important to say it out loud, like everybody's voice matters here and then act on it. Mm -hmm. um, not just say it, but act, practice it. Um, and you know, that goes for everything though, careers, what am I supposed to do? My daughter's applying to college right now. And we actually had her take a core values index, which is sort of like a strength finder. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm like, well, I think it's so important for you to be self-aware, Audrey, like of what your real strengths are. So you can match the college to what's natural for you or what your potential career might be natural for you. Wow. I think a lot of us jump into a career and then realize, oh my God, that's not natural for me. And we have to like, we do it the hard way and we have to, you know, pull out and do something different, which is mm -hmm. going to happen no matter what. But um, yeah, there are a lot of metaphors. Mm -hmm. Or even just the applying to college example, it's you, you make the choice and you intuitively know it's maybe not natural, but you move through it, you go through that. And then, like you said, you have to unlearn that then after college or after you move into the workforce. It's like, no matter the choice, there's going to be a point where you're going to have to unlearn in order to get realigned and finding that. I love how you're doing that exercise with your daughter right now, because that is such a profound time for women to start to understand themselves, to make a decision that's best for themselves and not for you or your husband or their friends. Yeah, comparing um, to your friends. I mean, mm -hmm. we still, I do it. I'm mm -hmm. you know, almost 50 years old. I still find myself kind of framing myself based on what other people are doing and the choices they've made. Um, just being aware, having those moments of awareness is, I think, a huge step forward. Noticing, you know, when, when you start falling into that pattern. So for someone who doesn't have quite the awareness, 
And then they're starting to realize it and they're starting to say, okay, I have been in this situation before. How am I here again? Have you been there? Oh, yeah. And what do you, how, what do you practice in that moment? Self-compassion. Let's just, you know, acknowledge it. Oh, mm-hmm. the first step is noticing, oh, in my head, I'm, you know, just what they call it, I'm comparing myself to what all the other moms have done to prep their kid for college and say, oh, okay, just notice that. Like, you know, and then right after notice, like compassion, it's okay. Of course, of course you're do- you're thinking that because you care so much about your daughter. You care mm-hmm. so much about being a good mom. You are such a good mom. You're doing everything you can. And then, and then the next question is, what do I really need right now? What is really going to serve my daughter right now? Comparing to all the others? No, it's going back, you know, and, and parenting the child in front of me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, you know, you just can't, you can do that in all different kinds of circumstances, like in the freezer, grabbing the ice cream in the middle of the night, and then realizing, you know, that, that critic inside of you, I swore off ice cream today. I wasn't going to eat ice cream today, you know? Oh, notice why am I beating myself up? I'm standing here with this ice cream. Of course I am. Ice cream is so delicious. I love ice cream so much. Why wouldn't I love ice cream? (laughs) And then what do I really need right now? I'm tired. I'm depleted. I probably need energy and comfort. Do I really need ice cream? Maybe. Yes. Maybe I need a bubble bath. You know, Um, I think that kind of those steps have served me for many years. I really appreciate the hand to body. Uh-huh. I do that a lot when I'm aware enough to do it, but there are moments where I know that that could serve me. And I'm curious, what does it bring up to you? Like for me, it immediately allows me to present and in, in, in body, but for you, is it like a, is it the reminder of like, I'm here or is it something that is more physical? That's such a good question. I know it's physical. And in fact, when you place your hand on your chest and you Mm -hmm. talk and you feel the vibration, that is a natural way to build um, a calm state in the body. Serotonin comes up. It, it naturally soothes you. Um, And it's a way to talk through your chest voice, which is easier to be heard from other people. And um, I also just find it really comforting. It's a sense of safety yeah. and security. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've, I've never really thought about why I do that, but I do that all the time. We do it in class. We end class almost every single class with our hands on our heart. I think that's so powerful. And I wonder if there's the spiritual connection of it's your heart center. Mm-hmm. And even if your heart's a little bit over to the left, it's like, even if you put your hand on your, the middle of your chest, it's like, that's where the alignment happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd be curious if that scientifically also creates, it sounds like it does, but that connection to your voice, soothing to your heart, um, the whole thing. So I love that's that. So I need to do that more. You have me thinking about that. I yeah. think it is also a physical embodiment of self-compassion. Mm. And you're, you're, you're like holding your heart and that sounds so corny, even when I say it and cheesy, but the thing is, it's true, it's true. And, it, and it works. Um, 
Yeah. I think leading with self-compassion and self-love um, solves so many problems that we chase in other ways. But when you mm. start right here, it usually works out pretty good. I, I completely resonate with that. I like already feel my, my energy shifting mm. as I do this. Um, I would love to know for individuals who are leaders of not mindfulness, fitness, embodiment, physical body, mind businesses, mm -hmm. how do they bring in compassion and love into their, into their businesses, into leadership? The first thing that comes to mind for me is a complete awareness and respect that every, no one is like you. Mm -hmm. um, and that some leaders naturally lead from love and their heart. That's their, that's their, their strength and their natural way of being. Other leaders, I just did the CBI thing and they do it in four kind of quadrants. Other leaders might lead from wisdom um, and, and mm -hmm. kind of analysis and questions. Other people might lead with data. Other people might lead with like urgency and like builders and people that really like to get things done quickly. Like everybody has a different style in the workplace. Um, and I think it's really important to realize um, that not everybody will get you. Um, I know, I mean, I'm I've learned that over the years. <laughs> this coach I worked with it literally said this to me, you'll like this. <laughs> He's like, sometimes you need to not bring love into the room. Wow. And you need to leave love outside of the room and come into the room and make a decisive decision around data and don't talk about love. I mean, he, he literally said that to me. Um, and I was, I was just like, oh my gosh, you are so right. Mm -hmm. And those employees that just don't want to hear about the vision casting and about our mm -hmm. greatest great, I always want to tie everything to love, like mm -hmm. our purpose, our mission, our, you know, I'm, I'm always going there. I'm a vision caster. I'm a love leader. And um, some people don't relate to that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, and that's the greatest sign of love. If you can really see everybody for who they are and um, respect them and then teach them that everybody's different as well. Um, I feel like that's also sets up a really beautiful um, container for innovation, uh, for debate, for everybody to be seen and heard. Um, more voices will be allowed in the room, which always makes a better company. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is the name that took me a long time to figure out but it really has unlocked me as a leader. I, 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 in a, in a way through you describing that, I still see love being the center. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Cause it's, even, yeah. It's like when you had, when you were asked to leave love out of the room to make a decisive data-driven decision, yeah. The root of that was still love. It's true. How he, I think what he was saying is I am concerned with relationships a lot. Mm -hmm. like, I want to make sure everybody likes me and I like everybody mm -hmm. and that we yes. have a good connection. You know, I'm motivated by relationships 
and he he was saying sometimes that just you can just set that aside yeah no uh, I get that and it's also the uh, language right the the language of how you relate to people and your yeah. language is rooted in love and for some people it's not and understanding that their language is going to be rooted in data wisdom those other drivers right um but that is so powerful i am a very similar person so it, i hear you and it's refreshing to hear that it's okay to not feel that the love like it's okay to leave it Mm-hmm. in the other room for this type of conversation. Yes. And it's absolutely necessary at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you were to kind of wrap up this conversation in however you feel called to, um, how do you lead with love? Um, I think how I lead with love is a dedicated practice to my own self-awareness and my own self-compassion. I think it starts there. I don't even think I can consciously lead with love unless I start with um, noticing the three things, noticing, giving myself compassion, and then proceeding with purpose. So beautiful. So meaningful. Okay. I am going to wrap this up by just saying thank you so much for your words that I believe are wisdom, that are so filled with love. And I genuinely appreciate your willingness to speak to individuals who come from the external universe for you. Like I am, I am new to you. I am someone that you're not connected to. And so I just so appreciate you making this time. Um, and I feel deeply connected to you as a person that I just, again, want to say thank you. Oh, you're just, that's so nice. It was my pleasure. And I think what you're doing is wonderful and beautiful. And I can't wait to see it come to life. That's (gasps) the first interview. Yes, you are. The many. You did great. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully, so brave. you know, I'm I'm so committed to just creating and creating from a place of love and intention. And so, you know, what I shared with you today could be very different from what it ends up being, but I think that's going to be part of the beautiful journey that yeah. you are now along of. Yeah, that's so great. Well, keep me posted. I would love to hear how it goes. I will. Thank you so much. Stay healthy and safe. And I I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. Many blessings. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of Love You Always with myself, Betta and Twistle. You can follow Sadie at Sadie Lincoln on Instagram, or you can find the nearest Bar 3 studio for a wonderful and uplifting exercise. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any feedback or want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram at betta.whistle, B-E-T-T-A dot 
W-I-S-T-L-E. And I look forward to hearing from you and sharing many more episodes to come. Have a wonderful rest of your day or evening. Bye-bye.